This is a podcast from the University of Manchester's John Bank Centre for Astrophysics. For more information, see johncast.net. The night sky for July 2019. Well, at least towards the end of July, the nights are getting slightly longer. After sunset, the brightest star you'll see towards the southwest is Arcturus in the constellation of Bootes. And up towards the northwest is the constellation of Ertha Major with the bright stars forming the plough. Moving towards the south from Bootes, one passes a fairly faint constellation, Hercules, which does, however, contain a very lovely object, M13, a globular cluster. And then one reaches the most beautiful part of the sky, the constellations of Lyra, Cygnus and Aquila. The three stars, Altair in Aquila, Vega in Lyra and Deneb in Cygnus, form what is called the Summer Triangle. It's a very beautiful part of the sky. Down to the left, tiny little constellation, Delphinus the Dolphin. Rising over in the east and getting higher as the night progresses is the constellation of Pegasus, the winged horse, which we actually see upside down. So as the month moves on, that lovely region of the sky around Cygnus becomes more and more prominent. Well, what about the planets? Well, it's not a fantastic month, to be honest. Let's start with Jupiter. It shines initially at magnitude minus 2.6, but as it's now past opposition, it falls a little to 2.4 minus. It's visible in the south as darkness falls, and the angular size again is dropping slightly from 45.5 to 43 arc seconds. It's in the southern part of Ophiuchus, and it's currently moving westwards in retrograde motion so moving towards Antares in Scorpius. And at the end of the month, it will lie about 7 degrees up and to its left. A highlight on the night sky page, just search night sky jodrell, gives the times, when it's dark of course, when the great red spot faces the Earth. So as it's now very close to the southernmost part of the ecliptic, it will only have an elevation of about 14 degrees when due south. So atmospheric dispersion will take its toll, and a device called an atmospheric dispersion corrector would greatly help to improve our views of the giant planet. Well, what about Saturn? It comes into opposition on July the 9th, shining at magnitude plus 0.1 throughout the month. So it's crossing the meridian about 1am BST. The disk is about 18 arc seconds across, and the rings, which are still nicely tilted from the line of sight, spanning some 42 arc seconds across. Sadly, now in Sagittarius and lying on the southern side of the Milky Way, it's at the lowest point of the ecliptic, and again, like Jupiter, will only reach an elevation of around 14 degrees. Mercury might just be seen low in the west-northwest after sunset in the first few days of the month, with a magnitude of plus 1.1 and an angular size of 9.4 arc seconds. To spot it, one will need a very low horizon and binoculars could well be needed to reduce the sun's background glare. But please, do not use them until after the sun has set. Now Mars remains at magnitude plus 1.8 all month, and is still just visible low in the west-northwest after sunset. It's crossing Cancer as the month progresses, and passes into Leo on the 29th of July. It sets some one hour after the sun at the start of July, with an elevation at sunset of about 9 degrees, but less than half an hour by month's end. 
when it would be very difficult to spot. The angular size falls from 3.7 to 3.5 arc seconds, so one will not be able to spot any details on its salmon pink surface. Again, binoculars could well be needed to spot it, and so reduce the sun's background glare, but please do not use them until after the sun has set. Now, Venus with a magnitude of minus 3.9 rises less than one hour before the sun at the start of the month, with an angular size of 9.7 arc seconds, but will be lost from our view around the 18th. Its elevation is only 4 degrees at sunrise, so a very low horizon just north of east is required, and again, binoculars may well be needed to spot it through the sun's glare, but this time, of course, do not please use them until after the sun has risen. Well, finally, what about the highlights? Well, in early July, it's still a very good time to spot noctilucent clouds. They're the highest clouds in the atmosphere, with heights of about 50 miles. Normally they're too faint to be seen, but they become visible when illuminated from sunlight from below the northern horizon, while the lower parts of the atmosphere are in shadow. So, on a clear night, as light is draining from the northwestern sky long after sunset, take a look towards the north, and you might just spot them. There are two nice objects in the sky after dark. One is the globular cluster in Hercules. This is basically on the right-hand side of the four stars that make up the keystone in the constellation of Hercules. It's M13, the best globular cluster visible in the northern sky. And if you go across to the bright star Vega in Lyra, just over to its left is the multiple star system Epsilon Lyrae, often called the double-double. With binoculars, a binary star is seen, but when observed with a telescope, each of the two stars is revealed to be itself a double star, hence the name. On July the 1st, before dawn, a chance to spot Venus and a thin, waning crescent moon. You need a very low horizon looking towards the northeast, but if it's clear, you might just be able to spot them. On July the 13th, in the late evening, Jupiter is close to the moon, looking towards the south. The moon then two days before full. On the 15th, around midnight, the moon has moved across and is close to Saturn, and Saturn will be seen over to the left of the moon just one day before full. And on July the 16th, after sunset, there's a partial eclipse of the moon. So looking low in the southeast after sunset, we might, hopefully if clear, be able to observe a partially eclipsed moon. The partial eclipse phase will end at around midnight BST. And finally, on July the 28th before dawn, the waning crescent moon crosses the Hyades cluster and we're seen just to its left and close to the red giant star Aldebaran. And finally, on the night sky page, I have a little bit about learning the mare on the moon's surface. Just a little chart showing you where the various mare are. Quite a nice thing to actually have a look at. Well, hopefully you'll have some good observing in July. Thanks for that, Ian, and for our Southern Hemisphere listeners, here's Heritina Magachano and Samuel Lesky with the Night Scare Where You Are. Hi everyone, good evening from here from New Zealand. We are at Space Place at Carter Observatory, where we hold galactic conversations about what's in the night sky in July. The instructions for looking up in July are as follows. First of all, we learn what July is all about and what the sun's up to and what's in the Milky Way. 
birds of the sky in particular this month and what Orion and Scorpius are doing. What are the brightest stars visible at night after sunset and finally some favourite deep sky objects to train your binoculars and telescopes onto. We have a special guest tonight as well, Katie Paul from Rotorua. Katie's a very old friend of ours. We've done a lot of space programs with her and went to find the secrets of life in Rotorua in the hot pools. We're going to talk to Katie a bit about Matariki. But to start with, what's July? July was the month when the Roman general and leader Julius Caesar was born. And after he died, the Roman Senate renamed Quintilis the fifth month of the 10-month calendar into what today is July. But of course, it was not pronounced July, but Julius. July is the second month of winter in the Southern Hemisphere, and obviously the second month of summer in the Northern Hemisphere. It's also the month where traditionally the government's financial year starts here in New Zealand. Not just the government experiences new beginnings, but also we must add that end of June or July is when we observe the Maori New Year, Matariki. This is observed according to a lunar calendar called Maramataka during the last quarter of the moon that occurs after the solstice. Katie, tell us a little bit about the Maori New Year. Yes, kia ora hari. The twinkling of the Matariki stars in the pre-dawn sky heralds a special celebration for young and old, for our families. So across New Zealand, we come together to remember our ancestors share food, sing, tell stories and play music. And it's really a way in which the tongue whenua of Aotearoa view, view the world. So it's a marker of time and it's a period of transition. And as such, families come together, we might look back and mourn and honour those who've passed away. For example, in the previous year, and those loved ones we believed have transformed into stars who then shine down from the heavens and look upon us. And then the other side of it, it's a time to look forward to the new harvest, the new year, to set goals, to plan. So it's a really great tradition. It's probably our equivalent of the winter solstice. And it's a wonderful uh, way of coming together in the dark, cold winter months. We actually had a beautiful ceremony this morning. We Woke up very early, 4.30, we, we went all the way to the top of Mount Victoria here in Wellington, where there were about 40 people, which was quite impressive because it was quite windy and cloudy and you could see a little bit of stars. And we talked about the year that lays ahead and the things that happened in the past. Absolutely. I was really impressed by the two and three-year-olds who were rigged up up on the mountain with the parents. It's, it's again, it was a wonderful start to the dawn. Starting with a karakia by two young women in a traditional Māori sense, just honouring our gods and the families and the people who have come before us. It's a very spiritual moment, as well as combining that with the talk that you gave on from space place around the scientific knowledge related to the stars. And we also had telescopes there, and we also had the Wellington Astronomical Society. Everybody braved the cold this morning. Unfortunately, we didn't get to see Matariki because of the clouds that hang over Wellington. 
habitually. But we did get to see Saturn and a little bit of Jupiter. So it was a great morning to get out nice and early. It was cold up in the mountain, but it was really cool. Yeah, I didn't mind the clouds at all. I actually felt that it enabled us to hold together and to really focus on why we're there and what we're learning. So it was, it was still well worth it, if not a bit chilly. Yes, I was kind of hoping the crowds weren't there after lugging the telescope up about 400 steps. But... <laughs> yeah, well, we did stay quite a lot. We, we stayed kind of like two hours. Speaking of which, what, what time is the sun going to rise in the month of July? Well, it'll start off at the beginning of the month at 7.50 in the morning, and by the end of the month it'll be 7.30. So the days are getting longer. Yay. Nay. <laughs> we like to <laughs> well, look at the stars. Well, nay for astronomers, yay for people hanging out for summer. Beginning of the month we see around 5pm and towards the end at 5.20pm. The beautiful and long nights continue to enthrall us in July, which is fantastic. I think it's one of the best months for observing uh, that we have. Basically because as soon as you knock off work, you can get your telescope out, go outside. That's the perks of living here in Wellington. Mm. This month, the Milky Way is the best, and we look again straight to the galactic center. In terms of stargazing, that's the time when we can see the center of our galaxy all night long. Starting from the evening when it's rising in the southeast, the core of the Milky Way reaches meridian around 10 p.m., which is not too bad because you're still early enough to, to go to bed as well for those people who are normal um, timekeepers. And then the Milky Way Center sets in the west just before sunrise. So you have the Milky Way Center all night long. With the center of the galaxy come more stars as we're looking towards the rotational center of the Milky Way in the direction of Sagittarius, Ophiuchus and Scorpius. It's spectacular to think that we... 20, about 26,500 light years away from the supermassive black hole at the centre of our galaxy, which is a very strong radio source called um, Sagittarius A-star, which is 4 million times more massive than our sun, so it's quite a monster. Sagittarius A-star is not visible to the naked eye, and we, what we know about it comes from observations in gamma rays, X-rays, infrared, and other uh, radio wavelengths as well. In fact, most of the center of the galaxy's line of sight is covered in dust, which is visible in the form of dark bands. They show up in uh, wide-field photographs of the Milky Way. The dust makes interesting shapes against the light that comes from the stars in the disk of the Milky Way. And people around the world and throughout times imagine many creatures that inhabit our galaxy. A great example is the emu that our neighbours, the Aboriginal Australians, placed across the Milky Way. That is as big as the galaxy. Another example of dark creatures in the sky, but on a smaller scale, is the famous Prancing Horse Nebula, which observed from the Northern Hemisphere does look like a prancing horse. It also looks like a pipe or a donkey, and of course taking a huge leap all the way to the Southern Hemisphere, where everything in the sky looks upside down to what we see in the Northern Hemisphere, we have a kiwi checking out the centre of the galaxy. Kiwis are nocturnal birds, endemic to New Zealand. They feed on insects in the forest and they are an endangered species. The closest relative of the kiwi is uh, another ratite in Madagascar called the elephant bird. Warm-blooded mammals such as cats, dogs, possums, rats, all introduced into New Zealand, are the main predators of the bird. They eat their eggs and stuff, so they've suffered a lot of losses. And humans are the biggest problem for kiwis, but we're doing what we can to try and preserve the population. 
in our different interest groups and councils and um, the Department of Conservation are doing what they can to keep Kiwi numbers up so we can have them wandering around the forest doing what they do best. The Kiwi bird, of course, is one of our symbols for New Zealand and is the most loved bird here. And how amazing is that it's embedded in the night sky? This bird can only be seen active at night, and how fitting that there's a kiwi bird at the centre of our galaxy. It's a matter of perspective, of course, and, and a coincidence, a great coincidence. As you have to know what a kiwi bird is, first of all, and then to see it in the night sky. And this led to the realisation that if you turn a horse upside down, you get a kiwi bird. And of course, Milky Way Kiwi is useful for explaining where Sagittarius A star is because it's um, pretty much on the top of Milky Way Kiwi's head, right there in the centre of the galaxy. There are other birds in the sky in July. Birds in the sky this month are obviously the Milky Way Kiwi that is the king, but also some proper constellations such as Corvus, Cygnus the Swan, also known as the Northern Cross, is in the sky around midnight. Another northern flying bird is Aquila, the eagle, that is rising just after 8pm. On the southern horizon is the dove, Columba, in between the dog star Sirius and the cat star Canopus, of course. Delicate and rich in optical double stars, I love this one, that we can see with the naked eye, Grus, the crane, is another bird constellation laying low on the southern eastern horizon. And as much as I don't like them, Musca the fly also qualifies for a flying constellation. Near the Southern Cross, Musca looks like a small polygon. Near Musca, Apus, the bird of paradise, his name literally means no feet in Greek, as it was once wrongly believed that the bird of paradise lacked feet. Apus is pointing straight at Pavo, the peacock, flaunting his feathers all over the South Celestial Circle. Next to Pavo is to Tanav, near the small Magellanic Cloud. It's neighbouring Grus on one side, and on the other one is Phoenix. Since Herodotus, the Greek historian, the bird of Phoenix was associated with the sun. The Phoenix obtains new life by rising from the ashes of its predecessor, and it can live for 1,400 years at a time. And there is also a flying fish, Volans. Its tail is pointing at the large Magellanic Cloud, and its head is halfway through between Mia Placidus and Avior in Carina. And last but not least, I don't know for sure if unicorns can fly, or if they even exist at all, but I'm mentioning it here just in case. The elusive Monoceros, the unicorn. It is between Sirius and Orion, and its stars are so faint that I've always just barely made out the shape of it. Monoceros is visible in the morning sky. It certainly doesn't actually look like a unicorn, but anyway... Bright stars in the Milky Way, starting from the west and looking south after sunset, is Sirius, very low on the horizon, and then Canopus, which is not really in the Milky Way, but is not far from it either, and then following the Milky Way to the south are Suhal al Mulif and Avior in Vela. High in the sky is the Southern Cross, which around mid-July and after sunset is at its highest position in, on the circumpolar zone. Alpha and Beta Centauri are to the left of the Southern Cross, and on the southeastern horizon, close to the centre of the Milky Way, are Antares and Shola in Scorpius, Nunki in Sagittarius, and last but not least, after 10pm, Altair and Vega are just grazing the northern horizon. So also grazing the northern sky, but from New Zealand you'd have to be on a tall mountain 
with the ocean as your horizon, unless you're way up by Auckland, you might see it, is the bottom of the plough just visible. The star, the lowest star, just grazes the horizon. Um, but we won't see it from Wellington because we've got too many hills and clouds. And of course, Sirius is in the morning sky as well when it rises before the sun and we actually use Sirius to find the star cluster Pleiades. We can actually count two, three in Maori if we look at the morning sky. Absolutely. We look for Atatahi, the main star, then Takerua and then Totoru. And that's how we actually find Matariki. And we made a video just before, mm -hmm. so keep an eye on our website. Orion is both on the western horizon at sunset. The three stars of his belt are plunging vertically into the ocean. Rigel is to the left and Betelgeuse is to the right and they touch down almost at the same time. And then the last star from Orion is Saif, the last to sink into the ocean. Then in the morning sky, Orion will rise around 6am with Rigel first, which here is known as Puanga or Puaka. Then the belt will come up and the last to appear will be Betelgeuse. The heliacal rising of Puanga is the alternative to observing the Māori New Year as due to the mountain ridge due to the east of the Taranaki region and the Pleiades are too low in the sky. Bright stars on the ecliptic, nothing changed from last month. The same bright stars are on the ecliptic. Regulus from Leo, which is extremely close to the ecliptic. Then Spica, the blue giant in Virgo. Zubanel Genubi, my favorite star name. Another star grazing the ecliptic and Zubanel Shamali just beneath it. Zubanel Genubi means the northern claw and Zubanel Shamali means the southern claw, alluding to these two stars that have been the claws of Scorpius before they were chopped off and turned into the current constellation of Libra. These stars are followed by Antares in Scorpius, which is both on the ecliptic and in the Milky Way. And this is roughly where the planes of the two intersect. The notable deep sky objects, and these are around Virgo, and they're in a great position to see at the moment. M49, M58, M59, M60, M87, the Sombrero Galaxy, M104, and the Eyes Galaxies, the Siamese Twins. And if you're really keen and you want to look at something a long way away, the Quasar 3C273. Virgo has 11 Messier objects, so you are in for a treat with this constellation. You can get a map and look for all these objects, or if everything else fails, simply take your binoculars and swipe the Milky Way from one edge to the other. You might not figure out exactly which objects you're looking at, but you would definitely find amazing sights. Not too many planets in the sky in July... But Jupiter is there, and Jupiter is beautiful, and also Saturn is there, and they're a regal to watch, they're flanking the Milky Way each side, and they will be in the sky for a very long time, almost all night long. This is, in a nutshell, the beautiful sky from here, from Wellington, and we're really lucky to be here, because for me, July is the best month to look at the stars, we can see the Milky Way Kiwi... And also we have all these events that are happening. We have fireworks, we have a new year starting. So from here from Wellington, Haritina Mogoshanu, Katie Paul, Sam Leski. We wish you Namihi Otetauho. I Namihi And we hope for a very prosperous year ahead. Thank you. And clear skies.